Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome, children. We're very glad you've joined us on this spooky evening. If it's daytime, just close your eyes and pretend it's a spooky evening. Yeah, just picture the darkness and picture our faces lit up by candlelight staring at you. Absolutely. We're just trying to set the mood, you know? The darkness is in your heart. The darkness is... Yes, it is. You have to search for the darkness within. I received that. Not the darkness without. Amen. Amen. So, what do we have for the children today? So, I know last week we we went a little into the realm of mysticism. We got into some good folklore, some good mythology. But this week we thought we'd bring it on back to basics. Uh-huh. It was a little lighthearted last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. So, this week we're bringing you matricide. And patricide. And parasite in general. Do you know what those are? You do you know what we're talking do. about? I'm sure you do. You can figure it out. Y- you should Google it. Like if you, if you don't know, we're we're not going to define it. Just like stop podcast, Google it, come back. Yeah. Do that now. <laughs> Bing. Okay. So now that we're all on the same page, then. Yes. So I didn't realize when I was researching this topic how much, or how many of the movies that I really like. Involve it. Patricide. Like, I didn't... (laughs) Yeah. I had no clue. And I was just sitting here thinking, and I was trying to research, you know, uh, just research some movies. And I'm like, damn, once I got to thinking about it, I mean, one of your favorites, you're next. Oh, yeah, true. We just ruined... Did we just ruin your next for, like, everybody? No, no, no. no. That movie's been out for a minute. (laughs) I mean, did we just ruin it? No, I don't think so. I hope so. Oh, by the way, if you like Your Next, um, so if you haven't seen Your Next, you definitely should watch it. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, One of Kenny and my favorites. Um, But if uh, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And if you have seen it and you love it, Cavity Colors, who is an awesome, awesome clothing brand. You can check them out on Instagram. They're going to be doing, Kenny just sent me the stuff this morning. Um, the post to let me know they're doing like uh, pins and t-shirts and a bunch of stuff that's all centered around that movie around your next yeah super excited for yes that. it is gonna be awesome and they're doing socks right now so if they have your next socks with like i'm just picturing like little animal faces with like the bloody your next written on it i'm all over i'm, it. I'm about to buy all of it like for real i'm gonna but a perfect example um of what we're talking about today uh, think about, uh, I don't think you ever saw Crimson Peak, but that's another one of my favorites. I, I didn't, I didn't see that one. I Tom kept meaning to watch I know. That's why I kept meaning to watch it, but I heard my meh reviews. I love it. I yeah. personally love it. Okay. Psycho. Yes. Classic. Carrie. Oh yeah, that's right. She kills yes. her mother. Yeah. Before, before the prom. Orphan. Children of or the after Corn. The, prom. the after. Amityville Horror. So mm-hmm. many good films. Yeah. So many good films. And oh, I didn't yeah. even realize it until after the fact. But you know one of my favorite characters in that realm is is Debbie from the Adams family. <laughs> Where she kills yeah. her parents. She was ballerina Barbie. She was not Malibu Barbie. <laughs> That's true. And I received that. She was. She was a ballerina. She was. And that's the tea. That is the tea. <laughs> 
And that's the tea. Yes, it is. We can end the show now. We can end the show's over. That's it. We gave it to you. We gave you the tea. Now you're free to do whatever you like with the rest of your day, with the other 55 minutes that you had planned to spend listening to this podcast. Exactly. So, do you have some real, like, that's all fiction, most, mostly. Sorry, all, I'm all, dying. All of it. Um, <laughs> all of it. All, all of, of that is fiction. fiction. Let's be clear. Well, not really. The Amityville Horror actually happened, so. That's true. That is actually a really, 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 really fascinating case. We should maybe cover that. We should do that separately. We should cover that at some point in time, but we are not covering it today. Today, um, I have a very, this this case is actually one of my, mm, is it wrong to say favorite? Um, uh, Most interesting? It fascinates me. Fascinates this case, you. this case totally fascinates me and it snuck up on me. Um, I consume true crime like a fiend. Um, and like, I listen to all the true crime podcasts. I list, I watch investigation discovery. I actually, huh, for Christmas, I received investigation discovery wine <laughs> as a gift. Wait, there's a wine. Yeah. So they have a wine club. Investigation discovery legit has a wine club and the wines are like themed after their shows. So, like, um, the one that I got was A Wine to Remember. That was one of them. And it's named after the show A Crime to Remember. Um, but the reason that I got it, it's um, they have a Homicide Hunter Joe Kenda wine that's called My, My, My Merlot. Oh, My, yes. My, My. Yes. I legit, I just, I just love Joe Kenda. He's fantastic. Like, he's just so salty and seasoned and just over everything like that that's goals for me i want to get to that point of just just fucking over it <laughs> always just always over. just it. always over. and i'm almost there i'm making good progress that's fine i think that your uh near psychotic break that we're approaching is going to like it's, really it's help us with the well. podcast it is it's going well yep working full-time doing an mba just trying to live as well. It's just, it's going well. It's going really well, you guys. So um, this case is something that I had never heard of elsewhere. I've never heard of it again. I was at home before I started my insane journey to an MBA when I had free time to do things like watch television. When you were Caitlin Murray. When I was a person. A, a human being. Uh, now I'm like a shell of a person who is having all of this knowledge crammed into my empty vessel of a hell head. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Bringing uh, it on back. Bringing it on back. I was at home. It was like a Saturday. It was like the middle of the day. And, um, of course, I had investigation discovery on because why not? Um and it was this like shitty special. I don't remember the name of it. It was, it, but it was definitely like it wasn't some of the newer programming. It was definitely like an old, like the like really old, potentially from the early two thousands investigation discovery programming where it's like not really branded at all. Do you know mm. what I'm talking about? It was it was awesome. Um, but it's the case of Edward Chen. Okay, I've never heard of this, so I'm interested. So. This is one that I'm not sure if people know that well. Um, it's actually from our area. 
Wait, 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 wait. Like, like hometown area or? Our area that we live now. It's D.C. area. Very close to home. This happened in Great Falls. (gasps) Great Falls, Virginia. As we sit here in the recording studio. And by recording studio, I mean Kenny's apartment. uh, Great Falls is approximately eight miles up the road. From where we sit right now. Eminem somewhere like singing. <laughs> it's like rapping. Eight miles. Yeah. That was a that was a beautiful reference. <laughs> it took me like a minute to load it. Um, yes. So we are very very close to where this um, where this crime actually took place, um, and it's fascinating. You've got me freaked out now. <laughs> I know all the candles and like the darkness and yeah. Don't worry. Um, spoiler alert: He's in prison. Uh, so. In March of 2002, Steve Schillingford, or I guess the Fairfax County Police Department in general, gets a call from this woman whose name is Vicki Henry. Mm-hmm. And Vicki Henry um, calls up and says she wants to meet with uh, some people to uh, report her ex-boyfriend as a murderer. Oh. Now, I don't know about you but like that was one fear that i like didn't have that my ex would call the police and report that i'm a murderer (laughs) probably probably when i should have Mm -hmm. not not because i'm a murderer but just because of my like google search history as she kicks the body underneath like there there could probably be a convincing argument made you guys um anywho so vicky henry Calls the Fairfax County Police, um, and these two, these two uh, detectives go out to meet with her. Um, Steve Schillingford, who was the first uh, African American homicide detective in Fairfax County, actually, and Chester uh, Tony, who was the second African American uh, homicide detective in Fairfax County, um, they go out to meet with. Vicki Henry to talk about this case or talk about her report or what have you. Um, and would you like to know where they met her? Uh, <laughs> where? They met her at the Reston Town Center Hyatt. So the reason Are Kenny's you... freaking out, I literally, I didn't actually know that part of the case, like that particular detail until I started researching for this episode. Until I like knew that I wanted to cover this case, I work one street over from the Reston Town Center Hyatt. That's insane. Like I literally walk past that building every day. So you guys are getting some like real action, yeah. on this podcast. Like this is crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. So, um, so in March of two thousand two, at the Reston Hyatt, I did not work in Reston Town Center at that point. I was, like, busy listening to My Chemical Romance's first EP, probably, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and being And wearing hardcore. choker necklaces. and Yeah, you know, spike bracelets and those pants, those cool gothy pants with the chains. I still God. miss those pants, I'm just saying. You hated me for that, but I loved them I was so never much. that that kid. I just had the, the basic t-shirts that always had the obscure, like, weird little sayings on them. And a shape. The head. screen tease. <laughs> the screen tease, yeah. God. So, so that's really crazy. Yeah. Yes. It's it's very 
like weird. Researching this was weird. Um, so uh, these detectives go out, um, Schillingford and Tony, they go out, they meet with Vicki Henry, and Vicki Henry says, you know, look, um, I need to report my ex because he's a murderer. Okay. And they're like, oh, what? And so she gives them um, a little bit of details that we don't even really need to get into um, and says, hey, if you want to verify my story, because obviously they're kind of skeptical of her because, you know, clearly you broke up with the guy. There's probably bad feelings there. You might be trying to make him out to be a murderer. She's just a crazy ex-girlfriend. Maybe. Um, but these guys were actually good. And uh, they... She said, if you want to corroborate my story, why don't you ask his ex-wife? And she provides them with that contact information. Oh, wow. So they look her up. Uh, her name was Mandy, and I'm sorry if I pronounced anything wrong, um, Mandy Colby. Um, or it could be Colb. It's K-O-L-B-E. Um, Mandy Colby uh, was married to Edward Chen. So they call her up and they're like, hey, we need to talk to you about, you know, this guy. They give uh, her his name and they're like, you know, do you want to have a conversation? And she was like, absolutely, yes, I'll meet you. So they meet up um, and she was very eager to share uh, information on this because uh, she was very paranoid. She was very, they said that she was very, um, very rightful of him in general um and she actually said that she had attempted to report this before him um this particular story that we're about to get into um and that it was unsuccessful Hmm. that the police didn't listen to her etc and she actually had been scared for a while um she expressed a fear uh right off the bat that he was going to kill her oh um so she said that there was a particular incident, and I actually don't know this place. She said there was a particular incident at the Blue Iguana Bar in Fairfax City um, in 2000. And she said that uh, she came out from the bar and her brake lines had been cut. Ooh, no. Yeah. And she figured it was him. Um, but nobody believed her that that was the case. Um. So Mandy Colby uh, is interesting. So she, some, she, bless her heart, she must have had a rough life. She got married at 16 for the first time, um, had a child, had a daughter, um, and then she got divorced like a year later. And apparently Edward Chen actually went to her first marriage. Like she, he went to the wedding and he bought the couple a toaster. Like, did he? So he did he know them? Or yeah, I mean, I guess like so. A- yeah, no, I, I think he, I think they probably like went to the same high school or something. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Actually, I don't think they went to the same high school, but somehow they were they knew each other. They were already friends because he had actually attended the wedding and gave them a toaster. Um, and apparently, their friends had commented on how Mandy and Edward would make a good couple, which is kind of weird to do that if she's married to somebody else. But eventually, she and her first husband got divorced. Um, about a year or so later, and she took Ed to junior prom after her divorce. Which took to junior prom? Yeah, you know, no better way to bounce back from a divorce than to 
go to junior prom. <laughs> oh God! Ooh. I know, I know. That's it's awful. Yeah, it's really rough. And and this was like, I mean, this was like the '90s. It wasn't like, I mean, we're not talking about like 1942 people getting married at 16. We're talking like 80s, 90s. Um, so she took Ed to junior prom, and apparently it was, you know, the rest was history. Um, and they kind of began a relationship. Okay. Um, now, Mandy, white girl, Caucasian girl. Um, Edward Chen was uh, from Taiwan. He and his family um, were he. Uh, he and his family were from Taiwan. His his he come over. I guess the phrase is on the boat. I hope that that or like off the boat. I hope that that's like not like some horrible terrible slur. But that's how people have said this to me. But basically, he was first generation, um, and he came to the United States when he was eleven. And his parents um, kind of brought his family. Um, it was him and his brother Raymond. And his parents brought uh, them to the United States so that they could have a better future. Okay. Um, so uh, his parents were not very happy when they found out that Ed was involved with this girl who's a divorcee. Right. And still like, in high school. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of... And who has a child. Um, so they, they didn't look very favorably upon that um, at all. And so they were very, um, they were very aggressive. They actually wrote her a note. Um, they wrote her a note that uh, that their son um, deserved to marry the best girl. Oh, yeah, and that they wished her the best, uh, but that their relationship was not going to be tolerated. Um, so in spring of 1995, uh, Ed disappeared for a while. Okay, so do we know where he went? Like, yes. Okay. So he, um, he at this point they had graduated high school, and he was actually accepted to the University of uh, Virginia, UVA, okay. and he moved Mandy uh, down to be with him in Charlottesville, um, and he was basically bankrolling her. He moved her into a separate apartment that was close to his, but he was basically paying the bills. Um, so he disappears, but he is still mailing her checks and he's writing her letters, um, saying that he had to go back to Taiwan. What she didn't know is that his parents had taken him back to Taiwan and placed him in a mental institution. Oh no. So he was in a mental hospital. And, and then also paying. And sending checks to her, mailing checks home to her. Um, so that's spring of 1995. Uh, towards the end of that summer, in August 1995, the Chen family returns home. And 10 days after, they, uh, they return home um, on August 17th, 1995. Um, Ed Chen waits for his parents to go to sleep. And then he takes a rifle he goes into his brother Raymond's uh, bedroom first and shoots him. Mm. Um, terrible detail. Um, they said that, um, I, I guess this came from Ed's testimony. Um, they said that Raymond's eyes were open and that he was on his back. And so he saw who his killer was. 
before he died. Mm. Yeah. And how old was he? Um, I know he was older than Ed. Okay. But I'm not quite sure. Um, there's another. <laughs> there's another very jarring detail in the case that kind of takes center stage on a lot of the articles that I found. I wasn't able to find an age for Raymond. Oh, he was 25. He was 25. At this point, Chen was 19. So he had really just started college. Right. I think he had had like one year in college when all this went down. Um, he was 19. He shot his brother Raymond uh, first. And then he um, went into his mother and father's bedroom and shot uh, Wu Hung Chen, who was 53, um, and Ye Mei Chen, who was 52. Um, and then he sat and waited for the police. Just sat and waited for the police. So this house, um, I mentioned before, was in Great Falls, Virginia. Great Falls, Virginia is interesting um, in that it is a very rural-feeling area um, in the middle of Northern Virginia. And Northern Virginia is very, you know, hustle and bustle. At this point in time, in the early 2000s, late, well, I'm sorry, mid-90s, because we're in 1995, um, it wasn't as hustle and bustle-y as it is now, but it was still kind of built up. But Great Falls was much more rural. Um, and it still kind of keeps that rural element, but with an interesting twist of it's where everyone with money lives. Yeah. Great Falls is like this. It's weird because Kenny and I actually come from a rural area. That's like actual, like real rural, like farming country. (laughs) Farming cows. Yes. Outside of your school window. Yes. Like our, our high school was literally in the middle of a cow pasture. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we could hear the cows louder than we could hear the teachers exactly um so it's kind of weird for us like as people who like actually came from a rural background to see great falls because it's so it's so rural but there are like mansions everywhere and like there's so much money there i i think um it's like nova's version of of rural (laughs) yeah it's it's but it's weird. It's like, are you a millionaire and you also want to kind of see what it's like to live pastorally? Mm. I mean, I don't knock it, though, because it, I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous. I A lot of people that I love live there, um, and they're awesome people, and it's a really cool, colorful community, but I, I, I want you to really get the vibe for, you know, it wasn't... This murder didn't happen. This triple homicide did not happen in, you know, the middle of nowhere. I mean, Great right. Falls I mean, is it's not very, like, tight community. It's, yeah, it's a very tight Extremely community. Extremely tight community. Um, yeah, and very... Well, I mean, I don't know how it was back then, but I assume that it was still being built up in very nice houses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not like, you know... Not like what we're used to and like right. you have a house at the end of a dead end road and there's nobody <laughs> around you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was it was These were very people much that saw each other every day. Exactly, like saw each other like when they were going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Said hello. Probably knew their you know right. Knew Absolutely knew their, their names and their neighbors. Um, so who, yeah. who would know? Who you know? Right. That's what's so jarring about it. Exactly. Well, we're not done yet. Dun, dun, dun. So. Um, And Chen says that he, you know, boom, 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 did the act. 
and then um, put the gun down and sat and waited for the police. He said he waited to hear the sirens because he figured that someone heard the gunshots, right? Police never came. No one ever responded. So no one heard them? No one heard the gunshots? No one ever reported the gunshots. So Ed Chin... Do we have a time that this happened? It was in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, that is weird. Yeah, middle of the night. Nobody heard it. Um, So he just moved on with his life. Oh. (laughs) He began dating Mandy again. He came back to Mandy and told Mandy that now, um, you know, that that, uh, his parents were no longer going to stand in their way. They could get back together. They could, you know, have a life together. Okay. Um, They... uh, End up getting married. Um, I believe he told Mandy that his parents went back to Taiwan so that they would no longer they would no longer stand in um, their way of being together. Uh, that his parents were non-issue. So they um, they end up um, getting married, um, and they end up getting pregnant. She gets pregnant um, in November um, of nineteen. 19- 98, I believe. I want to say 1998. Um, And she notices that um, Ed is always working outside the Great Falls house, outside his parents' old house in Great Falls, or what she assumes to be his parents' old house in Great Falls. Um, Ed explained that his parents, when they went back to Taiwan, left the house to him, left the property to him. Um, and so he's always there taking care of the lawn. He was always very careful to keep the lawn like very, um, very delicately like maintained, um, super to make immaculate. It look lived in right, super super immaculate um, yard. Um, in September of '98, uh, I believe um, she stopped by, and he was working in the yard as he usually is. Um, actually, he us- he usually was. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having a stroke. Uh, And she stopped by and asked if she could use the bathroom uh, really quickly. And she said she she kind of noticed a strange odor in the house, Uh, but she didn't she didn't pay too terribly much attention terribly much attention to it. Um, But that must have kind of triggered something in her because they they got to talking, Um, and Ed had seemed a little off ever since he came back into her life. Um, And he seemed, she said that he seemed like he needed comforting. Um, And eventually he confessed to her that his parents um, had had her, had had him kill someone for them. Okay. And his parents had asked him to kill someone and and he killed the person and he, he left the person in the Great Falls house. Because he didn't know what to do with them. So Mandy uh, apparently was curious. So in November, uh, Mandy is pregnant at this point in time. In November, she and Ed go to the Great Falls house and Ed lets her in. Um, she goes upstairs. She said that they, she had to wear a mask. She said that they had to light in the kitchen. They lit three incense sticks and then they put masks on because the odor 
the slight odor that she had smelled in September had gotten so bad Mm -hmm. that she had to wear a mask. Keep in mind, this is 98. Our murders happened August 1995. We're talking three years later. Three years later? Mandy and Ed go up to the top floor into the master bedroom, and she said there's a pile of... There was a pile of blankets on the bed. And she said that under the pile of blankets, she could see his mother's very delicate, dainty feet sticking out. Like bones at this point. She didn't get that descriptive, and we don't really need to either. But um, she recognized them as feet sticking out of the um, pile of blankets. And um, his father... um, Mr. Chen, um, was, he, he was like sitting on the, he was on the floor, sitting in the floor, um, and he had a green trash can over his head. Just left there. Okay. She said that at that point, you know, she didn't even go into Raymond's room, um, his, his brother. Um, so Mandy and Ed divorced a year later. So how does that, like, I don't understand how you... What does that conversation look like? I'm not sure. And it wasn't really clear from the articles that I read whether... So I know that he told her, um, you know, I had to kill somebody for my parents. Um, you know, they asked me to do it. I'm bound to them. You know, I had to I had, I had, had to do it. Um, and then I left him in the Great Falls house and I guess she got curious. It's not clear to me whether he fully came out and said before he took her in the house that he killed his parents so that they could be together. I, I think that's the case. I think maybe she knew beforehand. Um, cause when she was describing it, um, in the interview that I was reading, like she wasn't surprised that it was his parents and not some rando. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that conversation happened and he probably, you know, told her that he killed his parents so they could be together. Um, because his parents were so, um, his parents were so much against him being with Mandy. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty heavy. Well, I am but glad I she divorced him. A year later. A like, year later. A year later. So wouldn't that technically be considered like an accomplice? Like she... Very interesting that you mentioned that. That actually comes in later. So that ties into the to the end of the case. But... Um, apparently between the time when Mandy saw his parents' bodies, um, and the time that they divorced, uh, she has a quote that, um, quote, he told me he chopped them up and dumped them somewhere. I know his friend Bill showed him how to navigate a certain place, end quote. So that's what she told the cops at that point in time. Um, and, uh. That, that's the information that she gave. Um, what we know is actually that um, in the winter of, I believe it was 98. Uh, yeah, in the winter of 1998, so shortly after November 1998 when, uh, when Mandy saw the bodies, um, a, pipe, uh, a pipe froze and burst in the Great Falls house. Um, and Edward asked a friend, whose name was Michael Reese, to, I guess, I guess because the pipe froze and burst, 
he had to get somebody in to fix it. And so clearly uh, not something that he could do with three bodies in the house. Right. So I guess his first step was remove the bodies. So he he enlisted Michael Reese to help him take the bodies. They wrapped them in duffel bags and weighed them down with concrete. And they supposedly threw them into the Chesapeake Bay after three years. However, the bodies were never recovered. So that's thought to be what happened. Um, that's what Edward said happened. Um, but the bodies were never recovered, so there's not really a lot of proof. If he would have just let his water run, like they always tell us to do. Right? <laughs> People, this is practical information. Leave your faucets on. A slight drip will avoid an incident. Oh. Yeah. So the bodies were never found. Bodies were never found. Um, so, and that was that. Uh, and then, you know, and that was that was winter of 1998. So March of 2002, you know, Vicki Henry decides that she has had enough and that, you know, somebody needs to know about this, so she reports him. Um. The case was relatively uneventful, honestly. Um, he pled guilty. Well, uh, I mean... Yeah, he, he pled guilty um, and was sentenced to 36 years in prison. And that was in 2002? That was in 2002. Um, but what was really interesting... I mean, this whole, this whole case is fascinating to me. I just don't, I just don't understand... I mean, I don't understand murder in general. Um, I definitely don't understand murdering your parents. And then to compound all of that, like, even if it was in a, in a, in a moment of passion, I mean, I understand that their relationship was pretty rocky. I imagine it would be um, if you were put in a Taiwanese mental institution. Right. Like, that's what I'm trying um, to figure out. Like, how did that come about? Like, why did they put him in a, a mental institution to begin with? I think to I think that was an attempt at resetting him to get him off the American, like, white girlfriend. I mean, this is, I mean, that. Yeah. I don't I, think that's how people work, but okay. It's not. I mean, Misguided, yes. Did they deserve to be murdered? No. No. I mean, you can li- you can easily just let go of those toxic relationships. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Including, you know, yeah. parents that, you know, if you have to do that, and that's that. You don't have but to murder them so, and leave them in their house. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Um. So there's a couple. And the things. brother, like, I don't understand. Like, did the, what? Why did he? Well, there was one incident in which the parents sent the brother to go get Edward and take him away from Mandy. Mm-hmm. There, so there was a situation. I, I actually believe right before he left, that period that he took in spring of 1995 when he just disappeared and he was mailing her checks, when he ended up in the mental, mental institution, I think Raymond actually came over to get him, to meet him. And he left with Raymond and he didn't come back. That's mm-hmm. So that was part of it. But... Um, but to just leave them there in the house. And the fact that none of their neighbors, like, 
noticed or reported that they hadn't seen them in three years. Yeah, like, I mean, what, 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 their jobs, like... Longer than that, longer than that, because the neighbors didn't even... Well, but that's what I'm saying, like, did they have jobs, like, that they didn't show up to? Did they have people that they were supposed to meet that they never showed up for? How did nobody hear this gunshot going off in the middle of the night? Right. Gunshots. Multiple shots. And and maybe maybe Edward told maybe people did ask and Edward told them the same thing that he had told Mandy that you know that they just left that they and left went and went back to Taiwan and left the house to him and so he was just taking care of it. I mean, which would be a plausible story. I yeah, mean, you know, it, it's just the whole thing is is just fascinating might, how how his. Or that they might come back and he's just upkeeping it while they, you know, yeah. overseas. Yeah, exactly. I think so. I think that was kind of the story. Um, but actually, after that case took place, a um, couple more interesting things. Um, so as investigators were preparing for the case, uh, they found that Edward... Chen had withdrawn a total somewhere around $788,000 from his parents' bank accounts in Taiwan um, just from 2000 to 2002. And he also posed as his uh, deceased brother Raymond and had sold five family-owned homes in 1998 and 1999. So these were very... Affluent people. I mean, they Absolutely. lived in Great Falls, so obviously Absolutely. they are. But yes. like, they had property um, in a bunch of different places, um, and they, uh, yeah, and they they clearly had incredible cash flow. Yeah, but it was it was well over a million dollars um, that he stole from his deceased parents. Um, so that also weighs into it. You know, there's a couple of different ways to view this case. And one way is, you know, a family, sort of a Romeo and Juliet-esque situation where a family's putting way too much pressure um, on on a young couple not to be together. And then he blows up, it's a crime of passion, and he murders them in the moment. But then when you start looking at how the financial transactions factor into this thing i i think there was a financial motive as well well he there was an obvious benefit to it you Mm -hmm. know like he had already committed it so why not you know what i mean like right take advantage of that yeah but that i mean that that also plays back to a lot of the psychology of uh why people do these things especially with sons because they really sort of break it up between like sons and daughters and and the motives like if they you know in killing their parents like daughters often do it for different reasons than what the sons do or vice versa sometimes but like right a lot of the times if you know that happens the parents are often seen as very uh or often domineering demanding possessive right um and they're likely to be the only victim and you know i was researching this and uh, most of the time those crimes are committed in the home hmm. interesting so yeah well, um, just a caveat. So the case itself is, is um, I mean, it's terrible. It's, all, it's always terrible. But it's a particularly interesting sort of pathology that has someone leave three bodies in a house for well over three or just about three years. Um, actually, I think it was closer to four years. 
um, by the time they finally were disposed, the bodies were finally disposed of. I hate to say it that way. Um, but interesting caveat to the case after Chen, you know, so I said he was, of course, he entered a guilty plea, went to prison, um, sentenced to 36 years uh, in prison. Um, Vicki Henry, who is our girl who reported uh, Edward Chen, also faced charges um, after the fact um, and actually went to prison. Damn. So Vicki, uh, police found that Vicki Henry had spent large chunks of the money that oh she was getting in Chen on that coin had had withdrawn from his parents um, even after she turned him in. Interesting point to note. She tried to withdraw $12,000 from Taiwan by posing as Chen's deceased mother. And she also paid his legal bills, which totaled about $175,000 with the funds that he got from his deceased parents. Um, So she pleaded guilty to concealing a felony. Um, and not reporting his financial crime. So I think how they got her, um, she knew about the money part of things and didn't say anything. So they charged her with a felony of, or they charged her um, with concealing a felony, and she pled guilty. Um, I think she was sentenced, yeah, she was sentenced to about a year in prison. Um and another person who was connected with the case, um, the attorney, um, Edward Chen's attorney, um, was also uh, convicted. He he um, got a 15-month sentence in prison. For what? Uh, for stealing from Edward Chen oh. while defending him. So... And I think there were actually a couple other clients that uh, this guy had worked with. His name uh, was Scott Stever, which is an unfortunate name for someone guilty of stealing. Stever, stealer. I mean, I'm just saying. Stever, no swiping. Yeah. Uh, This guy had to pay $283,000 in restitution. Fuck. Yeah. For stealing from, uh, from his clients. And 15 months in prison. Damn. Now, yeah. that other girl, she was getting in on that coin. She she was trying it. Yeah, so Mandy, I believe, uh, was not ever... Um, Mandy didn't ever get in trouble. Um, which is kind of fascinating because, like you said, you know, it's it's kind of like... I would consider her to be accessory. an accessory. Um, or an accomplice. Like, if she didn't go to the police, then she was aiding him. Well, the, I actually did read one article um, where they kind of mentioned that briefly, super briefly in passing. And one of the things that they said was that um, they're like that accessory to murder was like just a misdemeanor or something. Like it, there was something like her, the charge, the only charge that they could give her um, was a misdemeanor. And the statute of limitations for misdemeanor is a year. So it was way past when yeah. they could have charged her with that. So, um, yeah. But I, I just think it's fascinating. There's, well, there's especially so... that it happened so close to where we're at, too. Right. Like, in a town like Great Falls. like Yeah. Great Falls is, like, so not the place where you think stuff like that 
happens. But but the truth of the matter is, and obviously we know this because we study this, you guys know this because you listen, like this can happen anywhere. No, yeah. No one's it's immune. Just, it, no, no, nobody's immune, but it's more of a sh- like a shock because, you know, yeah. nobody expects it. Right. So, wow. That kind of puts like, some chills. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Great Falls. All true. right. Like, it's a case, like, and some maybe, juice. yeah, some ma- juice. maybe it's because, like, not a lot of, like, it's not, I don't know why this case isn't talked about more. Like, it's just so, it's so crazy, and there's so many twists and turns, and, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know why more, more folks don't cover it, but, um, well, I know one case that we all know about. Absolutely. Yes. You're going to kill it. So uh, I was so I was so mad. So we always do a we're going to give you a behind the scenes. Um we always kind of uh we don't talk to each other about what we're researching while we're researching because we want it to be fresh. It's all completely organic. It is. It's our It's organic, essentially like a whole foods. It's our organic process. And we don't want to ruin it by planning too much, so we don't plan at all. Also, who has time to plan? Come on. No, 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 um, no. So we don't talk to each other about what we're researching um, when we're doing our research throughout the week. Um, That's going to come back to bite us in the ass one day when probably, we come back with the same. Probably when we do the exact same thing. And if we do that, um, like, we have to do something special. We have to, like, get a cake or something. Well, I try to be pretty, like, when I'm researching, I try to be, you know, I try to think about what you would pick, and I try to... You know what I mean? No, that sounds bad. Oh, my God. No, that sounds bad. No, but I mean, I try to be aware of, like... You know, I know that you are definitely way Did you know that I was going to do Edward Chen? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, but did you know I know you're way more case? into the true crime cases than I am. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So I know that you're more prone to those sort of things than I would be. So I just sort of take those things into consideration when I'm looking for something. Just the fact that I know you. I know you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for like 15 years. So so I try and look for things. pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but. But I was so mad. So we don't talk to each other during the week. But when we um, meet to record, we kind of, you know, go through and um, we'll tell each other just briefly what we're covering. Just Just so we know. Um kind of where we're going i know it seems like a lot of times we don't we have no idea where we're going but we actually do have some sort of small amount of notes um and when he told me what he was covering i could have punched him in the face like <laughs> god but also i'm so excited i would punch you in the face out of excitement so like a, god damn it so good yes <laughs> yes and also i'm jealous because i didn't cover it Walt, do you want to lead them in with a popular tune? I do. Am I going to intro you? Yes, I think. Wait, let's do it together. Let's do it together. We should do it together. Okay, I've got mine. Ready? All right, one, two, three. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother forty wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father forty-one. Actually, fun fact. Uh, they did not receive 81, 81 wax. There you go. The more you know. Lizzie freaking Borden. Yep. Pretty uh, much, like, if you're talking about children car- killing their parents, like, that's pretty much the, the 
penultimate is that the word it is yeah good choice um in american history for the most like it i I couldn't not talk about her yeah um but yeah interestingly enough she only um they only received 29 wax (laughs) what only 29 I feel I feel cheated by the song. I feel lied to. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how I felt when Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. But that just attributes to the fascination that America had with it because you know they come up with these little well twenty twenty nine did not rhyme. Well, yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> she gave her. It didn't yeah, rhyme. She gave, you you she gave you her have, parents. We got to change it. This is America marketing. I would have changed it to 69. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, we all know about this case, but there are some interesting little things that I don't think we... Like, because I didn't know everything. Like, a lot of people, I feel like, just pretty much know who she is. Right. And what she did. They know the axe thing. And they know the axe thing, right? But I don't think they know a lot of the details that was involved with this case and how America was obsessed with it and how she got off uh, Mm. with the crime. With the crime. (laughs) (laughs) So this happened. It was a hot August 4th. August. August 4th. Both of our murders happened in August. Yeah. Uh, In Fall River, Massachusetts. So not Falls Church, but Fall River. You mean Great Falls? Great Falls. Shit. What is Falls Church's? It's up here, too. It's up here, too. Sorry. Northern Virginia is weird, you guys. If you don't know Northern Virginia, like, you literally, like, turn left at a stoplight. You're in one town. You turn right at a stoplight. You're, like, in another freaking town. Yeah. I don't know why. We need all these names. So the maid in the Borden family residence was just quietly resting in her bed. After having, As maids do. Uh-huh. After just having washed the windows outside. And then she heard, you know, the the bell, the city hall bell at 11 o'clock and a cry from Lizzie Borden, the younger of two Borden daughters. She screamed, Maggie, come down, come down quick. Father's dead. Someone came in and killed him. Hmm. Someone. Ah, the elusive someone. Uh-huh. I think I, I know someone. I, yeah. Who who was it? Who who was it, Lizzie? Some, someone. First name, some, last name, one. Mm-hmm. So, they found her father dead, hacked, almost beyond recognition. It had been discovered downstairs. Uh, oh. The police came. They searched for an intruder. You know, really couldn't find anything. And then the neighbor who came over to comfort Lizzie, her name was Adelaide Churchill, made a very gruesome discovery. On the second floor of the Borden home, Mm. she found the body of Abby Borden, Lizzie's stepmother. Mm. Investigators found uh, Abby's body cold while her father's body had been warm suggesting that Abby had been killed prior. They think about 90 minutes prior. Um, so, this, of course, shook everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and this was actually kind of a really, <laughs> kind of really horrible thing, but the headline uh, was literally, Shocking Crime, A Venerable Citizen, The Man, and His Aged Wife. Oh, God. 
Oh, you have to love the era of like yellow journalism, like when the media had like no scruples whatsoever. Right. Venerable citizen, aged wife, hacked to pieces in their home. <sighs> aged. The aged wife. Yeah. How old was she? she I mean, like probably not even no, that. No, no, no. She, not aged. That old. <laughs> no, not. Mm-mm. Not at all. So, what would be her motive? You know, like, we all know that there are Insanity. details. Like, what, like, why? So, money. And the fact that some people say, she, you know, she really did not like her stepmother. At all. Any reason, or? Um, well, I don't know. I think it was just probably... Just a stepmother. I think what yeah. happened was, see, her father was, uh, he had a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. But he was not a very ostentatious person. Mm-hmm. So he didn't like crazy displays of wealth. Uh, he was very frugal. Right. Their house was not very big. Um, I mean, it was a nice size, but it wasn't grand by any means, which was another part it of the It wasn't a Great Falls Mansion. No, it was not. Um, and I think there was some jealousy because um, a property that he owned, he gave to his he gave to his wife and her sister, uh-huh. and I think it was supposed to go to Lizzie and her sister. So he gave it to her stepmother and her sister instead. So I think that was yeah. a fuel for some certain things. Yeah, I've heard the story told that like he like when he like met this stepmother he kind of got obsessed with her yeah but it reads really i'm a little skeptical of it because it reads really similarly to like the evil stepmother trope that we all know um so i'm a little i don't know i'm a little i'm a little skeptical but that totally could have been she always referred the case she never she always referred to her as mrs borden so that's kind of like a yeah, shady... but it was like back then. I feel like people called their mom like Mrs. Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Suffice it to say that there was a lot of tension. Yes. In the household, I feel like I should say that I have a stepmother and I really like her. Hi, hi, Christy. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so not all stepmothers are bad. Mine is super cool. Yeah. So a lot of people really considered that to be a motive. Uh, you know, money, uh, the tension, um, and, you know, and she stood to inherit a decent estate, uh, right. which actually today would be worth around $7 million. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So, and we all know that crimes have been committed for way less than that. Um, and she had these really weird, suspicious behaviors before and after the murder. So, no forensic evidence was ever found that linked her to the murders, right? I mean, it's not hard to the, believe. The in, the, in the era when, like, forensics was, like, one dude walking around with, like, no, no gloves. But no, and, but, like, like, they couldn't find anything that, to connect her. Like, not even scientifically. Like, they could not find anything to legitimately connect her <laughs> to the crime. There was all of the, There were all of these, like, you know weird things but nothing that proved solidly it It wasn't solid uh the handle was clean um 
And they don't even know if that was... they That was just found in the basement. So that was the only reason why it was suggested as a murder weapon. It's just because that was... Really? Yeah. So they don't actually know that it was a hatchet? No. They just found it. And it was clean. So... So it could have just been it? a handle to a hatchet for some yeah. other, you know. Because, I yeah. mean, I know back in the day you would have, like, a couple... How do I know this? Like, well. why am I talking like I came from that era? Like... <laughs> But I do know, like, from, like, living in the country and having relatives that do things like own hatchets still. Um, Like, you have a couple different handles and you can, because that, the head Mm -hmm. of the hatchet is, like, supposed to be removable, right? So that, you know, you can, you can put it on a different, like, handle. Yeah. So that's so that could be thing. totally not involved at all. Right. They just found huh. the handle-free hatchet blade, and that's so that's what. Okay. So this must be the murder weapon, right? Interesting. Um, and so, and a couple of days prior, she had been uh, seen attempting to buy uh, poisonous prussic acid just before the murders, which was a little weird. Uh, she claimed that they were for cleaning purposes. That's huh. <laughs> for cleaning purposes. You know. I'm going to buy this poisonous prussic acid to clean my floors. Well, Maybe. Um, Who knows? What? Back then. Yeah, there was one. Oh, God. What is that? Re- oh. There's that really, really famous poison that um, that black widows would use all the time. Oh, God. It was like the poison that everybody used to kill their husband. I can't remember what the name of it is. But it was a, like... It was like a cleaning product. Like, it was like a household product. You okay. could literally just go to the store and buy it. Yeah. I don't think that's what this was because it, re- <laughs> it was really like... It was weird that she had it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds menacing. It was weird. Um, it sounds like a menacing product. <laughs> she was. All, she also admitted to burning uh, what she described as a paint-stained dress uh, just days after the crime occurred. And that was witnessed by one of her friends, Alice Russell. And that lady cautioned her against doing it. She's like, don't burn that. That's going to make you look suspicious. She burned it anyway. Hmm. Uh, since the vicious nature of the killings meant whoever wielded the axe would have been covered in blood and would have to destroy, you know, their clothes. Um, you know, incinerating the dress that you were in, you know, that that's a little fishy. Yeah, I mean, looks like... So your dress has paint on it, so you're going to... Burn it? Like, you're not going to save it for, like, a paint dress or, you know, a work, I mean, a work dress? You no, know, I don't really want to, mm, I don't really want to call sides, but it does look a little fishy. Mm-hmm. A little, a little fishy. So we, we know that she was home when both murders occurred. But for some reason, and this kind of, like, goes back to what you were talking about, like, nobody heard these gunshots. Like, she was in the home. And... She claimed to not have heard or seen anybody come in, not hear anybody being hacked to death, or the thud Which, of a body as you, you know, you know, are like hacking it one down. One would imagine again, would be rather loud. Right. And I imagine like there was a couple of screams involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're getting hacked. Like Quite I'm loud. sure there's like a, a something going a on. A crescendo of yeah. sorts. And, you know, and again, the house was not big. Yeah. It was small yeah. for what it was. So it that was a little like you, you didn't hear anything. Hmm. Um. So, at the time of her mother's murder, which was around nine thirty a.m., 
Um, her sister uh, was actually out of town, the other board sister, so she, you know, wasn't, uh, she wasn't involved with any of this until, like, after the fact, but, um, and her father was running errands around town, and Lizzie mm-hmm. was the only one home. She was the only one known to be in the house at the time when her mother died. And that was 9.30. Yeah, in the morning. Um, and that to commit both murders, an outside intruder would have either have to have hid in the house for 90 minutes or departed and then returned without being seen. I mean, which is, pl- like, that's possible. But a lot of times the the best answer is the simplest one. Right. And so when they questioned her about, like, okay, so you didn't hear any of this, uh, she claimed that she was um, she was in the barn behind the house, uh, upstairs in its storage loft, to be exact, looking for fishing sinkers and eating pears. But when the police went to investigate, they found the loft so stifling hot, because it's August, right? Right. And we all know it's... Right. Fucking hot in August. Absolutely. They found it so stifling hot that it was difficult to believe anyone would voluntarily remain in such a place for as much as 20 minutes. And they also found no footprints in the loft that was extremely dusty Hmm. and dirty. No footprints. Nothing was was touched. Even though she claimed to be in there looking for sinkers and eating pears. Yeah. I'm cocking a brow. Mm-hmm. I'm cocking a brow. Uh, and another thing, the the day before the murder, she talked to her, her friend, Alice Russell, which was very weird. She was very agitated. Al- Alice Russell was weird? or no, the statement was weird. <laughs> okay. Like, she talked to her friend Alice Russell. Just and clarifying. Was very, and the statement was really weird. She said, and I quote, uh, I feel as if something were hanging over me and I could not throw it off. She added that her father had enemies and that she was frightened that something was going to happen to the family. This was the day before. Yeah, I mean, I would be too if I was planning to kill my family, so, you know. So, yeah. I so, would I would also be worried for their safety. I'm really worried for my parents' uh, safety. Because, um, you know, your Google search history has, like, ways to kill parents. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I love my parents. No, no, no. I no, love no. you, parents. It's just a theme for the podcast. Please don't be upset <laughs> with my Google search history. <laughs> so Who am I kidding? I'm for, on private browsing mode girl, 24-7, girl. fam. Those FBI agents are still looking, though. Oh, they are. Yeah. No, I have, I have like a team of them. Sometimes we've learned. Like, it's fine. What is she up to today? <laughs> it's totally fine. So I like to imagine that they're all like Spencer Reed from probably the BAU. They're probably not. That's not real. That doesn't exist. <laughs> so the trial lasted like two weeks, okay? Uh, and it was held nearly a year after the murders. Um, and she, apparently, <laughs> they brought her, the, the chopped up skulls of her parents into uh, the courtroom. Uh, and apparently when they did that. That's such bad juju. Right? Like, no. why were they not? Well, I guess they were still being investigated. That's how you but, curse everyone in the courtroom. Like, yeah. every single person. And from what I've read, like, her father seemed to be kind of an asshole. So, mm-hmm. like, he might be a little mad as a spirit if you carried his, his right. skull around. Right, right. Um, so, but apparently she fainted in court, which 
you know, that's sort of a thing that you think of all the time. Like, yeah. oh, we faint yeah, because we're so dainty, a, right? Yeah. Um, which gained all of the sympathy. So she got all <sighs> of the sympathy votes, Why right? faint, man? I'm going to start fainting when I don't want to do stuff. I'm just going to be like, oops. <laughs> hey, Caitlin, you want to go to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, it's time for work. Caitlin, <sighs> I need you to run this report. <sighs> I'm going to start I, doing I'm gonna it. I'm going to do that, too. Caitlin, it's time to record the podcast. <sighs> yeah. Well, then nobody thought, like, okay, she's over here. She's fainting when she's seeing the skull. Like, oh, she just saw the skull. I mean, but at, like, also, at the same time, like, geez. Like, that's, I mean, if you're going to pick a time to faint, the hacked up skulls of your family members. While, like, you're, while everybody's watching you, all right. eyes are on like, you. <laughs> I mean, if, if. If it was a if it. it was a move, uh, it was it was a smart move. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, like I said, she gained all of the sympathy points. I mean, everybody looked at her as this like you know she was a, a, a small little Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how could she ever do that? Right. She's playing to her audience. She never testified. Uh, and any of her statements that she had previously given were deemed uh, inadmissible. Because it was revealed that she had been on morphine prescribed to calm her nerves while she was giving her um, her statements. So mm. everything that she had talked that she had mentioned was deemed inadmissible because the because of the morphine mm. that she had been on. So uh, and yeah, with, I mean, you know, just just dose people up with morphine before they. Right. Give their statements. That kind of seems like a unfortunate practice. <sighs> so, with no hard evidence to go on, the, it took them only 90 minutes for the jury to find her not guilty. Wow. And she changed her name to Lizbeth. Lizbeth. Uh, and bought a mansion with her sister. In, in Great Falls. In Fall Rivers. <laughs> poshest. <laughs> In Fall River's poshest neighborhood, where she lived the rest of her days. And, you know, the theories abound. Uh, You know, the biggest one, of course, is that she got away with murder, um, which began gaining steam immediately after her acquittal. Uh, No other suspects were ever arrested, and the killing remains officially unsolved. Hmm. So... Do you think that she did it? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah. Being a woman, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Do you feel like she was playing up a, a card there? Like, Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a helpless woman, right? No. No. Not nowadays. Thank God. 2018 has given us something. Um, no, I totally think she played to her audience. I think, um, I mean, as much as I like to play devil's advocate, uh, that the skulls, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure seeing hacked up skulls, um, would be traumatizing for anybody, so it's kind of a, a dumb test. But uh, I totally think she played to her audience, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's interesting that she went and she, like, purchased a, a house in a very posh neighborhood. Because I think their house that they were in was, again, not in a wealthy area. Yeah. So it's, I'm like, mm, okay, so you got that money and then went and got... Got you a nice house. 
Mm-hmm. It's it was just it's a little fishy to me. So I, I yeah no I totally I totally think she did it. I think the fainting like come on girl. I'm gonna you tell know, you what. Let you me just gotta, a, you just gotta a, faint. a gay man from this day and age be in that courtroom. Faint and you See faint. What it's I'm gonna work out. <laughs> Let me be the judge. <laughs> Cocking a brow. Just cocking a brow. Silent, silent really? brow cock. Really? Do you do you want to compose yourself again, girl? Because I'm gonna tell you what. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You just splash water on her as the judge. You just like dump your whole pitcher of water underneath your stand out mm-hmm. on her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she lived out her days. Um, you know, in posh fabulosity, in posh it sounds fabulosity. like she uh, took an interest in theater. Uh, went to plays, um, hmm. associated herself with actors and artists and bohemian types, in quotes. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, and that's where she uh, lived until her death. At, she died at age 67 in 1927. She was hmm. buried by the graves of her parents in Fall River Oaks Grove Cemetery. That's an awkward, uh, that's an awkward family reunion. <laughs> so awkward. Kind of. Very awkward. There. That's, uh, did she request to be buried there? Do you know? Uh, I'm not 100%. I would assume... She did? Maybe. Yeah. I feel like I'd be like, no, you can, uh, you can bury me, like, a ways away. Like, like, pretty far away. Yeah. Um, like I would actually town. be interested, because you know you can stay in that house, right? Really? Yeah, you can stay in the Lizzie Borden house. Um, that's, that's cool. a ho- It's a bed and breakfast. I'm, I'm good. It's a bed and breakfast now. I'm kind of trying to do it. I'm I'm good. Um. I'm I'm good. You sure? So here's my thing. Um, you know, we talked about how sometimes you open a door, you don't know what's coming through it, um, and you don't necessarily have the ability um, to control what goes in and out of of doors like that i'm i'm very um spiritually sensitive to stuff like that so i don't um i'm very careful with what sort of spaces i enter because i i am so sensitive to that um type of energy thing and i'm just not really trying to just not really trying to you know i'm i'm reasonably sure that she probably murdered her parents so that she could get money uh, but there's like 0.3% chance that, you know, potentially her whole family was murdered by some sort of evil, horrible demon creature. Well, just her parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just her parents. But, you know, I mean. And her mother had died previously, so that's what happened. That's, you know, her mother wasn't alive at the time or in the picture, so. Hmm. So. Yeah, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to do that because I am not as sensitive to that sort of thing. Yeah, have fun. So no. <laughs> I would love to. I probably would like just black out in a corner. Wake up and your axe murdered. See, that's what's going to happen. Then I'm going to have to faint. It's just not going to go well. What if that's how the podcast ended? What One if of we us do that? What if that's how the we, other. No, what if that's just... Oh, yeah. I was going to suggest that we end this episode with a faint. With a faint? <laughs> With a faint. Are we going to faint on cue? All right, let's practice our fainting in case yeah. we have to get get off. 
with a crime, right? <laughs> yeah, with a crime. There you go. All right, no you want to faint? When I get off, honey. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow. All right, so you guys know. Follow us on Instagram. Um, like us on Facebook. Email us. Talk to us. We would love to hear from you guys. One thing, um, one idea we're kind of kicking around is uh, potentially making a Facebook group. Um, we know that's kind of a thing. And we'd really love to get discussions going um, between, you know, people who listen. And we would be pretty active on there, too, I think. I am. I made a great exodus from Facebook in 2016. And very dramatic. I've been very happy without the Facebook life. But I'm, I'm considering rejoining Facebook just so I can hang out with you guys in a Facebook group and talk about um, the podcast, talk about, you know, different spooky shit, creepy stuff that you like. Um, yeah, because I would like, I need more comments. Yeah. I like, want more comments. We want to hear need, from you guys. Yeah. I think that's like, I need more comments. Like, come on now. Yeah. Comments. So we're, so we're thinking that a Facebook group might facilitate discussion a little bit better. I know we're mostly, um, we're most active on Instagram. Um, and I know that's not necessarily a great discussion format just because of the way that Instagram is built. Um, so let us know if you would be interested in a Facebook group, comment, email us. Um, let us know if you would be active because we don't want to start it and have it be sad. So. Because we're trash talent. Because we're, because we're trash talent. And in that vein, tell a friend, tell a friend about the podcast this week. This week, make a goal to send it to like three friends. Uh-huh. Send it to three friends. Send it to three friends. So do that. Yes. And until next time. All right. So on the count of three, we're going to feign it out tonight. Okay. We're feigning out. One. You can faint with us unless you're driving. Don't, don't faint if you're driving. One, two, two three. three.